Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. My name's Larry Knoll, if you're joining us through streaming, and this is The Light in Kent. And we're so glad that you could be with us. And we have Shannon here today. I don't want to embarrass her, so I probably already did too late. But it's so good to have Shannon. Well, let, let's welcome her today, would you, everybody? And just say, hey, good to have you, if you didn't get to welcome her already. And so the millions of people that are watching now, Shannon, know about that there is a Shannon here. And it's her first Sunday, so I probably just blew it, and I'm sorry. But anyhow, um, this is a place where you will be loved. This is a place where... Uh, the love of God just seems to flow from one person to the other in a beautiful way. So I want to invite you, if you're ever in the area of Kent, Ohio, we're just about a quarter mile off the campus boundary there, and we'd love to have you here. You can go to our website, find out more about us if you're not there already at thelightingkent.com. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. So I've got my shirt on today from my one of my favorite television shows. Binge Jesus is not the name of the show. It, the name of the show is The Chosen. Anybody ever watch The Chosen on video or on television? Okay, it's a phenomenal series about Jesus like you've never seen before. And I encourage you, there's episodes on YouTube for free. Um, and you can make a donation and download the app. Uh, and uh, pay it forward, see. What you do is when you make a donation to The Chosen, you're paying for somebody else to be able to be a subscriber because somebody's already paid for you. Isn't that cool? When I got onto the app, I found out that a person in South America somewhere had paid for me to be able to watch it. And so they, I got a note from them, and they said, we hope you enjoy, you know, the Chosen, and I was like, wow, I don't even know this person, but they paid for me, so then I paid for somebody else. It's wonderful. Um, it's a wonderful way to do something, but I'm telling you, the series is incredible. And Jesus, I mean, just think about it. If you could be with Jesus on a day-to-day basis while he was here on earth, what would that have been like? I've always wondered. And I really feel like the producer, uh, his last name is Jenkins, he put together an incredible idea here, and they've executed it incredibly. And they do this through crowdfunding. So they raise the money, and then they make more episodes. And so it's done through these subscriptions. So this helps them to do it too, you know. Um, You pay a little extra for this, but I know that it's going to help them make these incredible uh, episodes. Jesus, he's incredible, isn't he? And the Bible is incredible. It's like, what? When you really get to read it. And we've been doing a seven-week series, and this is our seventh week. So if you want to go back and watch some of the other episodes, we've been binge reading the Bible. We've been going through it like, hey, every week. Let's talk about the Bible. Where do you find the things? What does this mean? What's a Pentateuch? And what are the prophetic books? And what are the historical books? And, you know, what's the Gospels? And so on and so forth. And today we find ourselves 
at the apocalyptic books, which the last book of the Bible we know in the New Testament is what? Revelation. Thank you. We have very smart people. They're not only loving, they're really smart here. Okay. And so Revelation is kind of like, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's, it's a big deal. At the beginning of, the, of Revelation, it actually says if you study this and teach it, there's a, a great blessing with that. So sometimes, you know, we overlook the last book because we think, well, it's complicated. And it is. It does take study. It does take understanding of it. But I'm telling you, there's nothing in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit cannot enlighten you on. And plus, there's tons of helps out there to help open up the Scripture. There's videos, there's other books, there's commentaries, things that will help bring this into light and help understand Revelation. But Revelation is not the only apocalyptic book. And so my goal has just been this seven weeks is to help you dig into the Bible because I look at the Bible as this. The Bible is a vol is a complete set of books, 66. So long before there were apps that made things very convenient, this is incredibly convenient just in itself. The fact that there's 66 books in here all packed in to one volume is incredible and that you can carry that around with you all the time in a very efficient way. So it was, but how do we crack this? How do we get into it and know where things are? And when I need something, how do I find that? How do I know where to go? And I'll tell you, there's an incredible beauty to the scriptures that we can learn as we begin to love and study. So part seven, the apocalypse, is to help us understand how we can trust God. See, I I love the charts. If you go to some churches, they have the chart, right? I found a study that my dad had, a three-ring binder. I gave it to my cousin Rick. It was Jimmy Swaggart's Bible study course on Revelation. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I gave it, I said, you want this? And he said, yeah. I said, I want you to have that then. We opened it up and was one of those huge timeline. Have you ever seen those, the timeline thing? It's almost scary. It's like, whoa, what is this, you know? But it's, it kind of, it's a, an artist rendition of what they believe the timeline of the end times will be. And so I want to, you know, I don't want to do that kind of thing today. For one thing, I don't have time. There's no way we can cover this all in one session to go through the book of Revelation and get everything connected and where it needs to be. But I want us to help us understand that the future is in God's hands. That's what I want you to understand through this. The big future is in God's hands and the little future is in God's hands. Okay? We've done this before where we have a capital F or a capital letter on something. So we're going to say, you know, Capital F future, the whole future of mankind, is in God's hands. Do you believe that? And then the little one, the little letter, F, future, is also in God's hands. My future is in His hands. I believe that. That if God can handle all that, can't He handle this? Doesn't He know what's ahead for me if He knows what's ahead for the whole world? I forget that. 
I think he's out of the picture. He's lost sometimes. Do you ever get that way? So the apocalyptic literature, I think it's wonderful because it helps us put in perspective our life. It's part of a way to do that. And all it is, is it sounds scary, you know, the apocalypse. Woo, you know, because there's video games called that. There's movies, you know, two or three. Apocalypse one, two, three. And they get worse as they go along. They're really bad. Don't bother. I th- think they're on net folks or something like that, you know. But it's the books that are concerning God's revelation of the end of the current age. We live in the current age, okay, mankind. And then it crosses into the final advent of his kingdom. So it's how, we, how this is all going to end and how the next phase begins. That's what's in the apocalyptic books. And I'll tell you what, you read it, it's fun. There's visions, there's prophecies. I mean, you can't beat it. It's just all kinds of incredible uh, symbolisms and things like that that are in there to help us know the mind and the heart of God. And you can find this not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. You'll find the apocalyptic books in the Old Testament. You'll see it in Daniel. You'll see it in Zechariah. You're going to see it in Joel. You're going to see it in Amos. And in the New Testament, you're going to see it in 1 Thessalonians. And you're going to see it in Revelation, of course. All through these scriptures are going to be end-time prophecies. And by the way, the word apocalyptic is just comes from a Greek word, apocalypsis. <laughs> it's very close, isn't it? Apocalypsis, which you can find in Revelation 1.1. Can we bring up Revelation 1.1? So here's what it says. The revelation or the apocalypsis, that's the actual word that's there. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So we know this, that an angel, okay, gave this message to John. Just by that one scripture there. That's basically what it's saying. God revealed apocalypsis. He revealed a secret, okay? So, revelation just means unveiling. Last week we had a shower here, and it gave me a great idea because they put a curtain all the way across here to hide all these lovely instruments because that wasn't in their plan for decorating. And they had, oh, Shannon, you should have seen it. It was beautiful here. The ladies had this, like, I couldn't even believe they transformed this place into a, a party center, and it was like, what? Wasn't it beautiful? Ladies, it was fantastic. And they had a great shower for, you know, our little mama back there, Sophia. You couldn't see what was behind the curtain. That was the whole picture, right? Curtain hides stuff. And I was like, we need to put a curtain track up here so the next time we just go. Good idea, right? Let's get on it and do that. But that's what this is. This is pulling back the curtain, unveiling. It's been there. You just didn't see it. My goodness. You know, we're, we're moving mom into uh, her new location. 
And I, we're trying to find something, you know. Where's that? Where's the screwdriver? Where's the hammer? Where's a wrench? Where's, you know, where's the Windex? Where's whatever? And, you know, Dad's not around. He knew all the secrets. He knew where everything was. He had his organization. And it's so funny, you know, you can't find something and somebody goes, and you're standing right there and there's the drawer. You were right there. And it's like, oh, there it is. It was there all the time. I could have used it. And that's the way it is. God's word is there. And God's plan is already out there. It's in his heart, in his mind. But it's up to us to see what that is. And for God to reveal his secrets. So he has these secret purposes, everybody. And he's had them since, I believe, even before the beginning of time. I believe that's just a part of who God is. But as far as the end of the world, that's what these scriptures are all about. So, Revelation is basically the final book of the New Testament. We talked about that. But it's not the end of history. It's not the end of history. It's just the end of the world. Same thing, right? No. Because this present world that we live in, this material world, is not all there will be or ever has been, actually. God existed before the world existed, right? And after this world, in its current form, I don't know what the next form actually will be, but God will exist then. He exists now. He existed before. So he's eternal. So it's not the end of the story either, because we are supposed to be eternal beings. So this flesh and blood is temporary. I'm, get, I'm 65 today, right? 65. I hope you look this good when you're 65, okay? Because some of you are going, that's old. Say, so, yeah, well, you try to look this good at 65. I'll come back. Give me a call. We'll meet up. I want to see. All right? Seriously, okay? It's hard. It's a lot of work to look this good, right? But it's temporary. It's temporary. It's, this is not what I'm worried about. It's what's inside that counts. That's the eternal part of me. So who cares if I'm bald? Somebody, you know, who cares that I can't move or do the things maybe the same way that I used to or whatever. That's not what's important. This flesh is going to decay. It's going to get old. And one day it's not gonna, I'm not going to exist anymore on this earth. But I'm the Lord's forever. So that's what's wonderful about that. We, we can see that God has this love story with mankind. This absolute love story. And that's what this is all about. If you look at it that way, this is what we were singing about. He won't relent. God is continually loving us and seeking us and he's after us. So I hope I'm not going to try to condense revelation down to something and teach this. That's not my purpose today is to talk about this so that you understand this. But we are going to focus on a couple things. So we know that revelation was written by who? John. And he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. So let's go to Revelation 1.9 where it says that. 
I just want to show you that. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos. So know who it is. We know where he was because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So here's the deal, just to kind of fill you in. He is a prisoner on this island. He's been exiled. Why? It says because of the word of God. So he was testifying of Jesus. It was not something they wanted him to do anymore. It must have been illegal somewhere or they just told him quit and he wouldn't. So he ends up being put on this island. Well, you can go ahead and talk about Jesus all you want, but there's nobody but the birds that will hear you now. So he's out on this this deserted aisle. Somebody did not want John spreading the message, so they shipped him off to this island. But now, John has gotten even better news. See, he was spreading the good news. We know the good news. We talked about that, the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. But now he's, he's going to get even better news. So it's great to go from good to better, to best. And that's what's getting ready to happen. John, he's re- getting ready to get the great news, like unbelievable, knock your socks off news. Well, knock your sandals off news, okay? And he hears this voice behind him. Now that would kind of freak you out a little bit when you think you're the only one around for miles on an island, right? That you hear a voice behind you. And that voice says in verse 11... Revelation 1, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So write it down. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you some stuff. This voice, okay? I, I don't know if you realize whose voice this is, but Jesus is literally speaking to John in the spirit here. I don't think it doesn't say that he saw Jesus, but he certainly recognized his voice, didn't he? He'd heard this voice before. So he's giving John a message for seven churches in Asia, which is modern day Turkey. And of the seven churches, he's saying one of these churches is getting ready to go through some really bad suffering. That would not be what we'd want to hear, is it? And he's telling them, they're going to go through some really bad things. One church has kept his word, been faithful. And the other five were beginning to falter in their loyalty to Jesus. So out of seven churches, one's doing great. Five are on the borderline. And one is already messed up so bad they're getting ready to go through suffering. Is that what it is? You know, wow, thanks. (laughs) So he's telling them, basically, I'm not going to go through each of those scriptures. The Lord is basically warning the churches that, hey, I'm the righteous judge. I'm the righteous judge and I see what you're doing. Guys, listen, what we're doing, sometimes we feel like in Kent, who even knows what we're doing? Somebody said it early. Well, we might be small, but we're mighty. It reminds me of the time, you know, my son was playing basketball And he was in a summer league, and it was a city league, and these kids could play. And our our little suburban kids got involved in the city league, and they were just, it looked like they were playing college kids. 
And there I was like, oh, my goodness. And our kids would come off the court and we had a volunteer coach and I was just helping. And these boys, you know, my son and they're all like this, they're panting. And the coach just looked at me and he was actually a soccer coach, not a basketball coach. So he goes, Frank says, Larry, you got to say something to the boys. And I said, guys, just remember this. They may be bigger, but you're slower. And they went, yes. And they went out there. It's not what I said. It was how I said it. They thought I said something else, okay? But the Lord saw these deeds and he was calling them to repentance. And he's even making encouraging promises to those. If you overcome, you won't believe it. To those who overcome, it's going to be fantastic. Please stay in the fight. Don't give up. I see what you do, Lighting Kent. I see the water bottles. I see the meals you make. I see the things that you do for the college students. I see those things. Don't think I don't see. You may not get accolades. The newspaper not, may not care. May not have some big church where everybody goes, oh, it's just fantastic what they do. They're just the most. But I see what you're doing. And that's what he's telling the church. I see what you're doing. Revelation. Let's go to chapter four. So this is speed reading and binge reading all at once. It says, after this, I looked and there before me was a door. Are you ready? Standing open to heaven. Oh, my goodness. Can you even imagine who gets to do this? And the voice I heard, uh, the voice I had first, rather, uh, I had first heard speaking to me was like a trumpet. And the voice said, come up here and I will show you what must take place at this time. I don't know. I figure if it's a trumpet, it sounds like Chris Callahan saying, good morning. <laughs> it kind of sounds trumpety to me. And what's happening here is John is taken to heaven. Why? To witness heavenly worship, for one thing. He sees this worship service that's like camp meeting on steroids. It's like the best thing you've ever been to. Elevation worship times a hundred. It's the best of the best. It's, it's just, he just has to bow down. And then there's this, Future events start unfolding to him while he's there. And so then begins this long series of visions for the churches. And it includes, we know about these things, the Great Tribulation, the Second Coming of Christ, the Battle of Armageddon, a new heaven and a new earth. Guys, God reveals his secrets to John so he can write them down. And he says, I want you to write this down. Aren't you glad that somehow this has been preserved, that we can see this even to today, because this is just a tiny little explanation, a little window that God gave us to give us hope. We were packing up Dad's books, and there had to have been a hundred hymnals that I came across. I had no idea there were so many hymnals out there. Old ones. I found one from 1900. 1900. 
I set it aside. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I just had to set it aside. I was like, that can't, I just want that to look at it. It was so, and you open it up, and the first song I see is a song about heaven. And you know where we got all these ideas? Right here. From this door, this window that God showed John. Those aren't made up stories. Now, do we embellish them and we add our earthly ideas to it? Absolutely. Because not everything's colored in perfectly. There's some things that I'm sure we don't know that are still secrets. But John writes everything down and he does it as a prophetic letter to the seven churches, basically. And then he has this closing message. All right, we just, we just finished Revelation. Wasn't that fast reading, everybody? And I love this message, chapter 22, verse 20. And here's what he says. Yes, I'm coming soon. That's the last promise in the Bible. Did you know that? I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. The second advent. The second coming of Jesus. And it's one of the most important doctrines right there. Almost didn't make it. Wouldn't have been something if John would have said, got it, God. See you later. But the last thing was, you see all this? And I'm coming soon. So let's pivot now to the Old Testament. This is perfect. If I keep moving like this, we'll do this. So let's go to the book of Daniel. So we're going to, why would we go back to, well, this is one of those apocalyptic books. And so the prophet Daniel, he really said more specific things about the end times than any Old Testament prophet that there is. And one of the most profound prophecies in all of scripture is called his 70 week prophecy, the 70 weeks that's in chapter nine of the book of Daniel. And so I'm not going to go through all that again. We're not going to try to read through that and and give you a detailed explanation. We'll do that sometime. If you want to do a Bible study on that sometime, let's do a Bible study. We could do it on Zoom or however you want to do it. it. Daniel and several thousand Jews were taken to Babylon captive is what happened. And Daniel knows because Jeremiah wrote this. That the captivity is supposed to be for 70 years. So he knows this. But he is praying for deliverance from the Babylonians. He's saying, God, get us out of this. I know it's 70 years. But get us out of this, God. Get us, deliver your people. You love us. Deliver. And he's praying and he's praying for this. And when he's praying, Gabriel comes. The angel Gabriel. And he confirms Jeremiah's prophecy, basically. He says, this is going to happen. And it's going to happen just like God said. It's going to happen in the timing. But he has more to say than just that. And Gabriel begins talking about 77s that are going to take place before God puts an end to sin. And he's going to bring everlasting righteousness. How many know that we still have sin today? How many know that we don't have everlasting Righteousness and every soul and every person today. Okay, you can have that. But not everybody has surrendered to that. And see, theologians believe that the days that they're talking about when they say 77s. That the days that Daniel's talking about represent years 
Okay, and that the weeks are periods of seven years. Is this not complicated? That's why we're not going to talk about it too much. So it's not days. When he says a week, he really means not seven days, but seven years. Okay, so when you say 70 weeks, do the math, okay? So if you read this passage, you're going to see, though, prophecies about Israel's captivity. You're going to see prophecy about the coming Messiah. And you're going to see prophecy about the end times, which is like the book of Revelation. It ties into that. And today, we're not going to go into this study, like I said. We will if you want to someday. But we're going to look back at Daniel at an earlier time in Babylon. So I'm going to just back up. Let's go to chapter 2. And there's a reason I want to do this. Chapter 2, verses 15 to 23. I mean, I don't know about you. This may not interest you. Things about prophecy, about end times. Don't you think we should know this stuff? Don't you think we should be talking about this stuff? Because this is not my home. I want to talk about what God has promised me. Because when times get harder, and they will get harder here, what is my hope then? Where's my hope? Is it that things are going to get better here? They're not. It's that I'm going to be one of those overcomers that John wrote about. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to make it to the end, whether it's the end of my life or the end of this time. Because God is faithful, not just because I'm determined, but because God is faithful. So Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, verse 15 says, he asked the king's officer. Okay, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this in a second. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. You remember this? Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. <clears throat> now, you may not know these three guys by these names. Hadaniah, Mishael, and Azariah. Anybody know their Babylonian names? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Okay. So he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the ruler of Babylon, has just declared that all wise men must be killed because they can't interpret his dream. Wouldn't that be a bad job to have? Hey, I need you to come over here and, and uh, you know, you're, let's say you work in maintenance at a company, you know. And they say, I need you to come over here and get this rewired, you know. Well, we can't figure it out. Every time we turn it on, it blows up. Oh, okay, boss. Well, what happened to your other maintenance guy? Well, we killed him because he couldn't do it. <laughs> you what? Yeah, and if you don't get this right, we're going to kill you. Nice. Can I retire today? <laughs> so this is what he's doing. He's saying, you guys are supposed to be my wise men. And if you don't have the power to do your job and tell me what my dream means, then I have no use for you. Pfft, off with his head. So Daniel and his friends are in a bind. So he's used up all the Babylonian wise men, I guess. And he's like, wait, are there any Jewish wise men? Well, Daniel, 
and his three friends. All right, I don't care about them anyhow. Bring them in. So they bring them in. Tells him to. Tells him to dream. Daniel and them. What do they do? They Google it. <laughs> dreams, King's dreams, how tos, how to interpret it. No. They do what, everybody? They pray. Now, there's a principle for us to learn. God, I don't know what to do. Pray. Thank you. God, show me. Give me wisdom. I'm going to tell you what. It may not cost you your life, but it may alter your future in a big way. It could cost you your life. So they prayed like their life depended on it. Get it? And God reveals the secret to Daniel in a vision. Their prayers are answered. See, God is the all-knowing, all-powerful God that we've sung about. Our first song was about that. Our last song was about Him pursuing us with His love. He holds all the truth in the world in His hands and out of this world. And God's revelation to Daniel here is described as a secret. Where was that again? I'm going to go back there. Where did it say that? It says somewhere about his secret. God reveals his secret to Daniel. I'm trying to speak to this king. And this is what I'm trying to say. That's why the other wise men that didn't serve God, they couldn't get it. They didn't know God. There are just some things that are out there, nature, science, that we can discover on our own, but there are things that we will not discover without a relationship with God. Because some things are known only to Him. God is full of secrets. And we may not like that. We say, well, why is it that way? Is He insecure or something? No. As a matter of fact, God holds those secrets for a reason. God holds those secrets for a reason. And he is full of what I would call divine secrets. But he has given us clues in his word to find what those secrets are. If we study the word of God, if we get into this right here and we study, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you secrets, especially for you. I don't know if you've experienced it. Anybody ever experienced that? As you're reading the word, it's like it just jumps out at you. And God says, I'm praying about a new job. I don't know what to do about it. Should I take this job? Should I not? That's not, you're not going to read in here and it'll say, thou shalt take the new job. But it's amazing where you will see principles. You'll see a story that will, you'll go, that's like me. God can speak to you through his word. So we should just be searching for those secrets. And if we do, they will always. Here's the cool thing. If you search for the secrets, it will lead you to the secret keeper. I think that's why God has the secrets to lead us to him. Leaves out those pieces. It's like, I want to know that. And curious people find God. Searchers find God. Eventually, they end up at his doorstep because that's the only place you're going to find that. And here's the thing. They will only be revealed, though, to us if God desires it. 
It's like it's locked until he unlocks it. And there it is. And I'm telling you, I don't want to make it sound spooky and hocus pocus. It's not that at all. It really isn't. This is just God knowing what we don't know, guys. Isn't it a fact God knows stuff that we don't know? And it's just God revealing apocalypsis. He's revealing what he knows. And he did it in this instance because four men prayed. I mean, in the New Testament, James said, if any of you lack wisdom, what? You should ask for it. If you don't have the wisdom, ask for it. And the end of that verse says, you will get it. You'll receive the wisdom. It's real simple, really, when you think about it. God, I don't know what to do. Well, ask me. Pray. Read my word. Stay close to me. I'll guide. I'll direct you. And this is what his, Daniel and his buddies did. And God answered their prayer, and it saved Daniel's life, too, all at the same time. Problem solved. And I love this. When the answer comes to Daniel, what does he do? When he gets this vision, and his life is saved, and his friends' lives are saved, his lives are saved what does he do? He goes back to God, and he thanks him. Let's look at this. Great. This is because this is, and, and we're going to close right after this. Verses 20 and 23 say, Praise be to the name of God. Now, if your life had been saved, wouldn't you be saying this? Yeah. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. And listen, underscore this. He gives wisdom to the wise. That's interesting. He gives wisdom to the wise. Wouldn't you like to know what that means? If you're wise, why do you need wisdom? What makes you wise? Well, Solomon was wise because he sought wisdom. So if you are a seeker of wisdom, he's going to give you more wisdom. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And he reveals those secrets, which are called what? Deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness. And light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. Why? Because you've given me wisdom and power. Oh, ho, ho. You have given me wisdom and power and you have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. And I guarantee you, they had a little hallelujah shout around there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, it wasn't. They might have been saved, Jesus, but I would have. Okay. That's what you do when God delivers you. That's what you do when God gives you that wisdom. That's what you do. You give him praise. So seeking God, seeking his wisdom, asking him to show you his secrets brings joy to you guys. It brings joy to our lives because I want you to know God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your family. He does hold many secrets that are available to you if you ask him. I don't think anybody in here pretends to know everything, not even about your own life. What's coming next? Doesn't am I just alone on this? But does but does God 
does your life rather, does your life just seem like you get over this and now this showed up? Is anybody like that? It's just like, wow, wow, we have smooth sailing now for 30 minutes. And here comes the next storm. And it's like the weather in Ohio. It just changes all the time. And you're like, what is this about? I thought you loved me, God. I thought you cared for me. Well, he does. But what he wants you to do is desire his secrets. He wants you to desire him. He knows if you need wisdom and you ask him for wisdom, you're you're going to seek him. What did Jesus say? Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things would be added unto you. That's good stuff, isn't it? Because that's just very clear. All this is about knowing God. It's not about our circumstance. Our circumstance just drives us into his arms. It just drives us down into his word. It drives us down into our on our knees where we belong. And God is not, let me just say this. God is not some GPS system that we just turn on when we need direction. Oh, this is a God thing. Put up the bat signal. (laughs) Commissioner Gordon. It doesn't work that way. It's about relationship. God's word is not just some app that we go to occasionally when we need some quick little verse on this topic, guys. It's like we should be living by the word and depending on the word and digging into the word and never being satisfied that we know the word, that we're constantly reaping its benefits. And I'll tell you, from Genesis to Revelation, God has made it absolutely clear that he desires to be in relationship with you and me. From the beginning to the end of what we just did on this binge reading. He wants one thing, an intimate relationship with you and me. This is what God wants. And daily, daily, not just when we need him. Not just when we think we need him, because I need him every day, whether I think I do or not. Whatever, even if I don't think of God, guess what? He's thinking of me. And he's thinking of you. Adam and Eve walked and talked in the garden daily before they messed up. (laughs) But daily they walked in the evening and all these times. I love that picture. Moses was what? A friend of God, wasn't he? See how this, there's this intimacy, daily friend. David was a man after God's own heart. Every one of these things, Old Testament, speak of relationship. And the word of God is, it's here for us to know him, not just know about him. This is not just to know about God. It will lead me to him. And if I seek his secrets, just like Daniel and his friends prayed, not just this once, you see. That wasn't their first experience praying, I guarantee you. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got thrown into the furnace. What were they doing in the furnace? They were there with the Son of Man having worship. Because that's just natural to them. They prayed before they went in. They prayed in there. They probably gave, had a worship service afterwards. 
And why were they there? Because they would not bow. And there's your relationship. I won't bow to anybody else, anything else. That's why they ended up in the furnace. See, that's that relationship. Why did Daniel end up in the lion's den? Because he insisted on praying all the time. They said, you can't pray to any God. You've got to pray just to the king. You give all your honor to him. He's like, yeah, no. No, I, I, I have to, I have to, I've given God my entire life. See, their faithfulness to that relationship with God, that's what God desires of us. Not perfection. Not that we keep all the rules, because we can't. It's that we're faithful in our relationship to Him. And if we are faithful, if we go to Him, if we live in that kind of way, I guarantee you God will reveal His secrets to you. It's not just about the end times I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the now times too. And the time tomorrow that you don't even know is coming. And next month. Oh man, I'm telling you, God loves you so much. And he's made promises to us to meet every need according to his riches and glory. To forgive us no matter what we find ourselves in, no matter what. In our unfaithfulness, he's just going to be faithful, he said. Because he has unconditional love. And God will reveal the secrets of your life when you're in relationship with him, when you're faithful to him, when you live in constant communion with him. And there's that scripture we used to you know, pray without ceasing. So we continue to live a life of prayer and communion with God. That's what he desires. Let's bow our heads and... Just pray together. God, help us examine our hearts right now. Put your searchlight on our hearts. Sometimes we feel like good Christians. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be. Because that means we're satisfied. When really, we should be looking at ourselves like we're so incomplete without you, God. That we can't make it this next minute without you. That I can't make these decisions without you. That I, I'm so unrighteous. I'm so incomplete. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your forgiveness in my life, God. And even when we come to you, Lord, we need to not look down on ourselves. Because, because of you, we have the righteousness of Christ. But to realize we still need you, though. We need you. We need to grow in you. We need to grow and study your word and be in communion with you daily. Because if we don't, we're going to mess up again. So, God, I pray for everyone listening today, Lord, that you will touch their hearts, draw them to you. We know we need you. But when things get good, we kind of forget that. I pray, God, that you will help us to live in constant desire and need of your presence. Forgive us, Lord. We need forgiveness today for being proud and thinking that we know what to do. We know how to live. We don't have to consult you. We don't have to live close to you. We can, we can just go on cruise control. And there is no such thing in our lives, Lord. We need you constantly 
We need you, Lord, every day, every minute. So God, forgive us for that right there. That we grow cold and indifferent, even as Christians. And we love you. And we're here and we're serving you and we're doing things for you. But God, we're not in communion with you. Help us, God, to correct that today. That you would direct our hearts back to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you today that if you want prayer and you're here today, we would like to pray with you. If you want to receive Christ, you say, man, I, you know, I hear this message and, you know, this would be a big step for me. This would be a whole new way of living. You're right. It would be. And if you've not received Christ as your Savior, whether you're watching through our streaming or you're here today, we'd like to pray with you. You can reach out to us and streaming through email, through comment on one of our videos. We'll get back to you. We'll resource you. If you're not around here, we'll, we'll help you get connected with somebody that can help you grow in the Lord. Answer some of your questions. Same here. That's what we're here to do. Encourage one another. That's what the body of Christ is for. So we want to encourage you to move in that way. Okay. We want to move forward in Christ. Amen. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you uh, have those that have joined us through streaming, Facebook, Instagram, our website, our podcast. Next week, I want to invite you to be here to hear uh, Kelsey Chuna. And she is, I'm just, I just know she's going to have a great word from the Lord. Uh, she'll be speaking in my absence next week. So God bless you and uh, we hope to see you then. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.